Hallelujah. Now, who is the King of Kings? The Lord Jesus Christ. Why is he the King of Kings? Amen. Okay, no problem. You're going to catch up with something very soon. Now, basically, this is, is a common statement, and we often do use that to give glory to the Lord, exalt His name, and actually, it should be so. But let me ask this question How many of you understand that He's not the first person to bear that title in the Bible? Amen. It's not. So if he's not the first to bear the title in the Bible, then why is he bearing the title now? And for those who bore the title before now, why did they bear the title? Because he's not King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You, it's fine. It's fine. But we need to truly understand, if if need be, whatever thing we say. Because you know, remember in the book of Luke when I think Luke now so when Peter said, Master, it is good I will be here, there will be three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And the Bible concludes by saying, not knowing what he said. Huh? Hallelujah. Now I think it is good that we know what we are saying. Even if somebody said it and we had it and we are coming to believe we should be able to understand why we believe what we believe amen it is see when you know something and you have come to believe into that thing it gives you faith and in the course of you applying such a word you apply it with confidence and not just that it begins to work for you is that okay? You see, without faith, it is impossible. Scripture says, whatever you want to think about is going to be by faith. And faith must be by hearing the word. Now you hear and you get convinced and converted. You have an understanding of that which you've heard. It becomes faith to you. And by the time you begin to apply it, it begins to work. Faith works when it becomes real to you. Not when it is story. So when you say Jesus is my King of Kings, why do you say what you say? Oh, because the Bible calls him so. But it's not a force to be called King of Kings. Now I'm going to be giving you some scriptures, at least two scriptures, that whenever you understand what I'm saying. First of all, turn to the book of Ezra. Turn to the book of Ezra. And uh, I think we'll look at Ezra chapter 7. Ezra 7. How many of you know where Ezra is? <laughs> Ezra chapter 7. Um, can we look at verse 12? Ezra 7, 12. Okay? Ah, that is already called that. Ah, 
That's a long crazy name. Okay. Okay, are you done? What verse did I say? Verse 12, is it? Artaxerxes, king of. <laughs> Unto Ezra the priest, a scribe of the law of the God of heaven, perfect peace and at such time. Now, what I want you to understand there is the word king of kings. Look at that. King of kings. Now, this is an ordinary human being, but he was called king of kings because sometimes when you look at it, yeah, Jesus is king of kings. Why is he king of kings? After Zarxis was called king of kings. Now again, this word Allah does is, is uh, a type to. It's like you have Obi or Oba. Huh? Now you can, you know when you have titles like this, somebody else can ascend that throne. He still will be called Atazaxis. Fine, B1 or B2, uh, you understand that? Fine. So that is exactly what that means. That word is not just a person's name, it's a title in the kingdom. As a name. Is that alright? So, when you say, Atazaz, the king of kings, I'm going to make you see why these words are used for people. Hallelujah. Now, I think we'll read another scripture just to confirm that. Now you turn to the book of Daniel, chapter 2. Daniel 2, I think, uh, let's look at verse... Um, 37 to 38. 37 to 38. Huh? Okay. Are you there? Okay. Look at it. What verse did I say? Oh. Daniel. Okay. 37, 38. I'm still in Ezra. Okay. Just flip up there. You are there already? Okay. What do you find there? Now, remember, this is the picture of the story of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Is that okay? Talking about the four kingdoms. And then when he came to the place of interpretation, he said this. So, look at it. Are you there with me? Let's look at 37 of Daniel chapter 2. He said, Thou, O king, at what? A king of kings. For, look at that, the God of heaven have done what? Given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. Now look at verse 38. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, wheresoever, note that, the beasts of the feet and the fowls of the earth of the heaven had they given unto thy hand and had made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. Amen. Are you there? Now he said, Thou art the king of kings. And then what are the things ascribed to him? Glory, honor, huh? power. Huh? 
strength. Are you following these things? And then he went further to say, wherever a human being lives on the face of the earth, have been given unto who? Unto King Nebuchadnezzar. Therefore, he is the king of kings. Are you following this? Now, let me still give you another quiz. Do you have an idea as to where this scripture is also used in the New Testament, for instance? The kingdom, the power, the glory. Can you remember that? Revelation. Okay, we find it in Revelation. But before Jesus died, did he say so? Watch the Lord's Prayer. That is where he end up with, I'm sure. That is, a, that is a kingdom, the power, and the glory. Now, if you watch that, if that is a kingdom, the power, and the glory, it means God is the one that has the power, the glory, the strength, or whatever, but He gives it to whomsoever He wills. And any man that He gives this three dimension of power to becomes what? King of kings. Are you listening? <laughs> now, that will tell you that God has been reigning in the affairs of men from day one. Is that okay? Because He can raise anybody and endow him with this dimension of glory that I've just mentioned power, strength, glory, honor. And when that begins to happen to that individual, the rest of creation bows to that person. So there are kings that the one that have the glory, the honor, the power, the strength is the king of kings anytime in human history. Hallelujah. I want you to understand it because it's important. Now, look at 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 6. Let's look at verse 15. First Timothy 6 verse 15. Hmm? Are you there? Okay. There's a scripture I would like us to read much later, but I just want to read this first so that you can understand. Or uh, is first Timothy okay. chapter five? What did I say? Chapter six, huh? Okay. What did he say? Uh, okay, let's go back a little bit. Verse 14. That thou keep his commandment without spots, unrebukable unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is his, which in his time he shall show who is a blessed and only potentate, what? The King of kings and the Lord of lords. So, here we see Christ being referred to as what? King of kings. Okay, Christ. Okay. Christ is King of Kings. Now, to catch up this, like I've rightly said in Daniel 2, let me show you something again. When I was talking about whosoever God gives this power to, at any time in human history, 
is the king of kings. Look at something in the book of Jeremiah concerning Nebuchadnezzar again. Jeremiah 25. Amen. And then Jeremiah 25. Okay, let's look at verse 9. So, Jeremiah 25, sorry. Verse 9. Look at it. What did it say? It said, Behold, I send and take all the families of the north. And the families of the north here strictly talks about I'm sure the house of Judah, after the division in Rehoboam's reign. Is that okay? Amen. All right. See the Lord and Nebuchadnezzar, watch this, the king of Babylon, my what? My servant. And I will bring them against this land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all these nations round about and will utterly destroy them. And make them an astonishment and a hissing and a perpetual desolation. You can keep on reading if you will. But get the picture there. God said Nebuchadnezzar is what? His servant. Now that's the key thing I want you to understand. How many of you understand the Bible? God refers to Jesus as his servant. The book of Isaiah says, Behold my servant. Did he say so? Hey. <laughs> Maybe you don't know. Let's look at it. I think as an effort to, I'm sure. <laughs> hey. Yeah, yeah. Are you there with me? Um, okay. Isaiah 42. Behold my what? My servant whom I have upholded, him, my elect in whom my soul delighted. I have put my spirit upon him and shall bring for judgment to what? To Gentiles. You know, that's just simple. So you're talking about Christ. Huh? Yeah, we still find it there. That also is referring to Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, as king of kings. You see what I mean? So, the key thing is, the, 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 what, what, brings, what brings this honor? Huh? Glory, power, whatever. Is the man that God has chosen that he should be his servant for that season in human history. He endows it with glory, honor, power, strength. And he becomes what? King of kings. Hallelujah. Now, there is something I want you to understand. You find that the Atazaz's family keep on running. There are so many names. I don't need to bother you with that. At least have about four or five names of those who had the title of Atazazes. So there was a succession. Now you find that when this reign kind of terminated, the power shifted to another person now, who is now the servant of the Lord in the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And the same glory, honor, power, strength that was upon the Atazazi's reign was transferred unto who? Unto Nebuchadnezzar. Now as at when Nebuchadnezzar was going to experience this as the servant of the Lord, there is nothing these people can do but to submit to Atazazi's. 
to Nebuchadnezzar. Are you get what I'm saying now? Did you follow it? Yeah. Once God shift that thing, he said, Behold my servant, whom I have picked, whom I have elected, whom my soul delight in. Was God chooses you or a man in that class, he releases this four strengths or dimension of honor into that individual. And whoever was there before have no place anymore. Because there is a shift now from that individual to the present one that God has picked to serve him, to work for him. Are you getting what I'm talking about now? To subdue kingdoms for him. The purpose is to bring all dominion under heaven, under subjection unto God. Now God, just like he was using Adam to do before in the garden, he still uses men today to bring the whole world, the whole earth, under subjection to his rule. Men don't know sometimes when they are ruling that God is using them to rule. That is what they don't know. Hallelujah. Are you seeing it? Amen. Okay, let's make progress. Now, so, you can turn to, in relation to this, you can turn to the book of Revelation. Uh, let's say Revelation 17 verse 14. Revelation 17 verse 14. That is talking about Christ now. Now, I've already made you to understand that Christ, according to Isaiah 42, is a servant of the Lord. Is that okay? Servant in this sense doesn't mean a slave. Hmm? Come on, are you there with me? All right. 17, let's look at 17 and then 14. Okay. Are you there with me? These shall make war, you know, seven kings and all this stuff. These shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and what? King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and what? Faithful. By implication, anytime you rise into the place of king of kings, huh, you got the victory over all other powers on the face of the earth. Can you understand what I mean by that? Fine. So when God picks Nebuchadnezzar, you see, Nebuchadnezzar conquered so much, but it was not with his power. Why? Because the title of the king of kings was bestowed on him by who? By God. Anytime God bestowed that authority upon a man, he releases such a strength upon that individual and the rest of the kings or the laws upon the face of the earth are weakened before that individual. Their strength is taken away. There is no way they can compete with the one that God has bestowed that honor upon I want you to follow this story and then you will catch up to where we are today and what God is doing today and why you don't have any cause to be afraid of anything. Somebody was telling me something. See, I was really pushed strongly by the Spirit to share this. But it's supposed to work with something else. Maybe next week we can pick it. How many of you know that the scriptures are telling in the book of, I think, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21? It talks about war without end. Isaiah 45, 17 talks about war without end. But men still talk about the war that is ending. 
So the question is, which one is not ending and which one is ending? And of course, when we go to the Anglican communion or service, we pray the prayer. When we are ending, we say, war without end. And as soon as we finish that and the sermon is coming up, the next thing is, the war is ending very soon. What are you talking about? You are confusing issues. Maybe next week we examine that. Will you like that? <laughs> Amen. Okay, so now, what are we talking about? He said, is the Lord of love, they made war with him, but he is going to overcome them all. The one that carries the title of king of kings overcomes all other kings upon the face of this earth. Is that okay? So Nebuchadnezzar was so powerful because he was king of kings. Atazaxi because he was king of kings. And now Jesus is king of kings. And so there is no king, no power, no dominion, no authority on the face of the earth that can withstand the authority of Christ. None. Not even the devil. Not even Adam. Are you listening to me? See, just like Atazazis was reigning and he was king of kings and the thing shifted to Nebuchadnezzar, the name of Atazazis disappeared. Are you getting this? When you begin to ally Christ to reign, Adam will disappear. Because there's a transfer. God does not recognize Adam once he shifts his authority to Christ. Just like when he shifted the authority of Atazazes onto Nebuchadnezzar, the whole of that lineage, even though they still had kings, was no longer recognized. Let me explain something to you. Search the Bible. Nebuchadnezzar was not the first king in Babylon. Do you know that? So why is it that it is only his name that is mentioned? It is only when God uses a man that his name appears in the book. He doesn't just write, it's not just writing history. It's writing history of the people that he uses. It's the history of his servants, if you will. <laughs> Are you getting this? Hello? I just see. So, Nebuchadnezzar was not a false king. When he said, Thou art the head of gold, he was not a false king. There were several other kings in Babylon, but this is the man that God used to capture his own people. Two things God uses you and your contact with the household of faith, which can either be positive or negative. Whichever way, if you encounter Israel, your name will show up. That's the key. So, sometimes it's not because you are too good. No. It's just your encounter. If you are privileged to encounter the house of God, your name is on record. And like I said, it could be positive or negative. Whichever way. Are you listening to me? <laughs> Glory to God. See, if you come to some understanding in this book, you really, really have the fulfillment of what the Lord says. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You may quote that, but until you begin to experience it, you are not free. Is that okay? <laughs> Glory to God. Now, watch this. Look at 19, Revelation. Revelation 19, 
And let's look at verse 16 also. Revelation 19, verse 16. Is that alright? Look at it. And he had on his virtue, they're talking about Christ again. Now watch this from verse 15 anyway. And out of his mouth, wherefore the sharp sword that we did, he shall smite the nations. Watch this. And he shall rule them with the rod of iron. I shall turn that the wine prince of the fierceness and the wrath of the Almighty God. And he had on his verse two and was tied and then written, King of Kings, and what? Do you see that? Now, watch, watch. Where, where is this war? Where is this war taking place? In the nations. Are you following what I'm saying now? Because kings are ordained for nations. Amen. Kings are not ordained for families. No. They come out of a family, but they are ordained for nations. And for any time a king rises onto the throne, he's ready for battle. Because other nations must submit to him. He has to expand his territory. In the book of Proverbs, the Bible says, he said, where in the New Living Translation, he said, a dwindling population is a shame to the king. That means every king's desire is to see that his population or his community does what? Expands. That's why they go to war. To conquer other nations. Remember this. It is the tribute money that they collect from other kings that they use to run their empires. So for you to have enough resources, you must go to war. You must conquer other nations. They must begin to pay tribute to you. Now here is Jesus making war across the nations. What is he doing? He's conquering the kings of these nations. Can I tell you this with all assurance? That every nation that Jesus entered into for battle is going to win the battle. And it's not winning with human sword. It's winning with a sharp sword that is proceeding from his mouth. Which is the word of God. Why is he winning? Because God has shifted from Nebuchadnezzar or whoever was there and he has become what? The king of kings. And because he's the king of kings, every other king must submit to him. God will first defeat them before even he goes to the war. That is why if God sends you on a message, he first deals with your enemy before you show up. You know what they were saying in Jericho and the rest of those people said, we have heard about it. Who is this coming out of the wilderness? He said the heart of the people was melting before they came into Jericho. Fear has already taken the people. God went before them. Even in Canaan, he went before them. Why are you afraid? If you have the king of kings on your side. That's why Paul will say, we are more than conquerors. Because we've got king of kings on our side. We are fighting this war with him. The battle is not mine. It's not ours. It's his. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Let me show you why it is so. Look at the book of Matthew. And see why he made this statement in Matthew. Look at Matthew. I think Matthew 28. Look at Matthew 28. Look at the statement he made. When he was to leave. This is where the transfer took place. Amen. When I started reading this, I began to see light. Look at it, 28. 
And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me. In what? In heaven and final. That's a transfer. Can you get this? Transfer of authority. That's the transfer of the authority. That which was resting on other people now came to him. He knew it and he declared it to the apostles. All power in heaven. Remember what God said to Nebuchadnezzar. He said, He's got all the powers and the beasts of the feet and wherever there is a human being on the face of the earth, has he given to who? To Nebuchadnezzar. And so Jesus said, All power in heaven and what? And earth. Including human beings. All creatures have been given unto me to rule over them. That is why there is no man that can resist Christ if he wants to fight with you. If he wants to convert you, you can't resist him. Because all power has been given unto him. He is now what? The king of kings. Hallelujah. Are you following this? So when you are talking about king of kings, you must understand the person you are talking about. You must know who you are talking about. You must know what is expected. Now let's read this. Revelation chapter 15. Revelation. Did I say 15? Uh, 11, 15 rather. Oh. The kingdoms of this world. Hallelujah. Are becoming, if you will. Are you saying this? <laughs> Glory to God. Did you say that? Look at it very closely. Are you there with me? Revelation 11 verse 15. Hmm? Are you there? Okay. He said the kingdoms of this world. Oh, if you look at it from verse 15. And the seven angels sounded and there was great voices in heaven saying. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Yay. Now, it. let me start from the last part. Forever and ever, from age to age, from eternity to eternity. What that means is, just like Atazaz's dominion as a king of kings was shifted to Nebuchadnezzar, from Nebuchadnezzar to Jesus, there is not going to be another shift. You see? None of them reign forever and ever. They simply said they were king of kings. King of kings. But now, this king of kings is going to reign forever. Now watch this. Hey, this is where the kingdom method comes in. If he's a king, he's got a kingdom. It means the dominion of this kingdom is going to expand on all the face of the earth. Because the king of king of Tazazis was literal. The king of king of Nebuchadnezzar was literal. His king of king is also literal. Because it's a shift. Just in case you have a problem with that. Turn to Psalm 22. Hallelujah. Why would somebody think God is not going to overrule this world? He's, he's ruling already. Amen. He's ruling already. He's possessing 
He's dominating. Are we there in, in Psalm 22? Now, you see, Psalm 22 is prophetic about who? About Jesus Christ. Is that alright? Are you done with me? Okay, look at this one. I just want to tell you this is prophetic about Jesus. Are you there in verse 1? What did he say? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my realm. Who said this? Huh? When did he say it? On the cross. Fine. That tells you this chapter is prophetic about Jesus Christ. Now, look at what I have for you tonight. Verse 27. Are you there? Hey, hey. Yeah. Now, go to verse 25. There is some beautiful things out as well. My prayer shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vow before them that fear thee. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. And all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's and is the governor among what? Simple. is the king of kings. It's a simple word, man. It's the governor. It's the ruler. Say, the government shall be upon his shoulders. Mean Isaiah chapter 9. He's the governor among the nations. That is why he's the king of kings. And the Bible says this kingship, this title of being a king of kings, will no longer shift to another man. So we are not just talking about Christ ruling in the empty space. We are not talking about Christ ruling in somewhere just called heaven. We are talking about nations on this face of the earth bowing and worshipping the Lord who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So wherever they call, you know, some other people they call them kings, or that they say they are lords, whatever it is. Whether they be lords, whether they be kings, they are all subject to this one. Are you following what I'm talking about? Let me tell you the simple truth. My double assurance conviction of belief is that Christ is going to rule this universe. Because God has a purpose for creating the earth. It does have a purpose. It does have a purpose. <laughs> when I was out there and one of these guys said, man, what do you think about this wall? I said, what's wrong with the wall? Say, hey, this business of, uh, what do you call it? Is it ozone? Whatever? What are they talking about now? Ah, global warming and all of those stuff. Say, hey, this head is soon going to be destroyed. Are they sure? He said, why do you think you I said, have a scripture to tell me that's not true? Can I show you tonight? Told me to the book of Matthew, I mean Revelation again. Let me show you something. After I say the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in verse number 15. Hey, hear what he's got to say in verse 18. Oh my. Okay, supposing we read all of those stuff, it's fine. Let's go to verse 16. Are we done? Revelation 11. 16 says, And the four and twenty elders, which sat before God in their seats, fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which, are, which was and which is to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and has reigned. Mm. Did you get that? The power he gave to Nebuchadnezzar, all of those stuff with which the reign, you have taken and have reigned. And the nations were angry. 
In other words, they are trying to say, you can't rule over us. And their wrath is come. And the time of the day that they should be judged. And that thou shall give reward unto thy servant the prophets. Those teaching, preaching, and testifying unto the saints. And them that fear thy name, small and great. Look at the last verse. I'm in the last line. And should do what? Destroy them will destroy the earth. My friend, you better get out of any business that works toward destroying the earth because you are going to be destroyed. God will destroy them that destroy the earth. What is your trouble? See, the earth is going to come glorious again. <laughs> God is interested on this earth. That I know. So, global warming, ozone layer, name it, whichever way, it has nothing to do with me. I just know for one thing, this earth cannot be destroyed. Rather, God will destroy those who want to destroy the earth. He can do it in any way. Whichever way I have chosen to do it. And then we give reward to the saints. He gave reward to the prophets. Are you getting this? For you have taken back your power from nations and given it unto Christ to reign and rule. And all nations, all dominion, all authority over the earth and the heavens have to submit to this power. Because now he is what? King of kings and Lord of lords.